Hello and welcome to Future People Podcast. I'm your host, Imani Walker, and I'm so excited to share this new show with you. Future People Podcast will feature conversations with community leaders and creatives really making a difference in their industries. I'm speaking with people who think outside the box and are imagining a bright future for themselves and the people around them. A bit about me, I'm a journalist. I'm a former CBC News and CBC Radio producer. And through this work, I've been able to share stories from racialized communities in Toronto and the GTA. I've worked on politics, news from the front lines through the pandemic, and now I'm focusing on my own storytelling. I can't wait to share these holistic conversations with you for season one. We have some amazing guests lined up, so stay tuned for the next episode of Future People Podcast. So we all know tech is where the money resides, right? But how often do we actually see people of color, specifically Black people, in the field? Cue my next guest, Melissa Ellis. She is a Black woman in tech who is looking to change the face of Black tech in Canada. She's the founder of Nobellum Enterprise. It's a social and technology nonprofit that launched a program this year in partnership with the University of Toronto to help create 100 Black businesses in STEM by 2025. This past weekend, they held their first innovation pitch competition And that's where competitors had a chance to win startup funds to make their business ideas a reality. So this is my conversation with Melissa. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa Ellis. I'm happy to hear about what you're trying to do, changing the face of tech and bringing more Black people in tech. Because from what I've heard, tech is where the money resides. You know, Mm -hmm. tech is is where the money's at. What inspired you to get into the field? That's a great question. I actually never intended to go into tech. I was a history student at the University of Toronto with a minor in African studies and and law. And so being in that space, math, science, no. I avoided Mm. all of that through school. Yeah. Then I got out into the workforce and I didn't like any of the jobs that I had stumbled my way into project management and that's where I discovered tech Mm. and I packed up my project management job and went back to school full-time for software engineering scared but when I was working in PM all the IT guys would come when they want and leave when they want and I was like at that time working remote was not a thing I actually gravitated toward the lifestyle first Mm -hmm. and then I discovered being in tech that I could create anything Mm. and I felt like that was something that was never expressed to us like when you think of tech you think of like very serious encryptions and like hacking like ones and zeros but you don't realize it's actually a place where you can build and create anything and so um, my creative brain was able to to take that on and I think that one thing I would love to um, I guess the audience to get from that is um, tech is so intersectional. Mm. So is it true that tech is where the money resides? Like, is it yes. true that pretty much every industry is going to be moving towards a tech focused work, you know, tech focused future? Should we all just 
switch to tech now while we have the chance? <laughs> I would say definitely whatever you're good at, mm. keep honing in on those skills, but just pair a little bit of tech with it. Because if you look at the legal industry, the accounting industry right now to be in a, a get a good paying accounting job, if you know a little bit of CRM, like how to use ERP systems, you're almost increasing your income by 20-30%. And then to top it off, if you know how to do a little bit of database querying, oh man, you've just increased by another 20%. Mm. And when you're in tech, you get a lot more flexible contracts. Whereas I find in other industries, um, we often, no offense, but in the Black community, we often gravitate towards fields that are more common. Whereas in tech, there's it's a, it's a hard skill. So it's either you have it or you don't. And so because you're in that space, you can get contracts. Hourly rate is almost an hour on average with the two, three years experience. When you get to five years experience, you can start, you know, charging over a hundred an hour. So there is a very interesting way I've seen over in the last two years with COVID recruiters are constantly reaching out to tech professionals. And so it's it's definitely where the money's at, but you don't even need to be like a serious software engineer. Like even though I studied software engineering, because I was a project manager for close to 10 years, I was able to pair my PM leadership skills with what I had now learned was possible in tech. And so by being able to speak that language without having to really program that much, I was able to really navigate that space and get contracts as a senior BSA and working on driving digital transformation projects. So whether your passion is law, accounting, even art, interior designers, when they apply a little bit of tech to their um, art, they're able to now architect amazing buildings completely virtually. So our brand director, she's very artsy. She always says um, Nobellum is where tech meets non-tech and really exploring the intersectionality of tech and all the different industries out there. Mm. And so you launched your own nonprofit um, to address underrepresentation in the industry. So what were you seeing or maybe not seeing that made you want to actually start this nonprofit or actually entice Black people to come over to the tech world? Yeah, it actually started out of being frustrated that all the projects I was on, I was the only person who looked like me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just want to look a friend in the boardroom. Have to, you know, somebody else that you could say, hey, guys, maybe we should do it like this. And they will be able to kind of feel that vibe and and encourage you. Whereas if you're on a digital transformation project, projects like $5 million, most of the people in the room are not going to be other people who look like me. And most of the vendors that are pitching to the project don't look like me either. And so I found that here I am with these opportunities and I don't even have enough businesses that I am aware of that I can offer them to. So Nobellum came out of that desire to create a space for Black-owned businesses in STEM, as well as Black entrepreneurs, Black contractors, to up their skill set, to feel like they're part of a community. And I feel like by supporting the startup of 100 Black-owned businesses in STEM by 2025, we are going to build an ecosystem that not only launches them, but helps to sustain them. And so I launched Nobellum back in 2020, 
um, in the aftermath of what happened with George Floyd, but I started building it in 2019 because I recognized the issue while I was a student. I went to my first hackathon. I was the only black person in the audience. They put me up on stage. They're like, where's your pitch deck? I'm like, what's a pitch deck? I I didn't know any of those things. I was never exposed to incubators, accelerators. Are you familiar with hackathons? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I first walked into a hackathon, it was the first time I'd ever Mm. even heard of it. I got up on stage. I didn't know what I was doing. Mind you, I can never hack. I can never do it. (laughs) But I know what you do at a hackathon. Right? Just to clarify. (laughs) (laughs) And so, no, that makes perfect sense. And so for for me being in that space, um, it was life changing. Mm -hmm. And I only wish that I had some people that I could... um, do it with that I didn't feel like I needed to put myself in a situation where I'm now the other, mm-hmm. you know? What was it like for you being in those rooms? I mean, I'm sure you were also able to learn some skills too that's gotten you to where you yeah. are now. Yeah, no, by my third hackathon, I was able to win them. Um, mind you, all my business partners were non-Black, but we were able to really learn some skills. And one of the things that kind of came out from that was our innovator bridging program, because you would go to these hackathons and and for the audience listening, if you don't know what a hackathon is, it's basically a opportunity for you to come up with an idea that you would want to utilize as a business one day and pitch it, come up with a deck, have a website or a prototype and convince the audience that, you know, you should be able to, you should get, you if, if you receive the funding, you can actually turn this idea into a business. And so um, these hackathons are very commular, common across other spaces. You go to Western universities, um, you have these large companies, IBM, Amazon, they partner with universities and colleges, throw up $50,000, $30,000 to host this competition. Now you've had these brilliant ideas and, and, and the youth can now take that and either make it a project or the, the big companies take it back and build a multi-billion dollar department out of it. So it's really a place of creating ideas. So when you think hackathon, that space was something that I had never been exposed to as a history student. And when I now actually in the last year, Imani, that I have mm-hmm. been talking and growing Mabellum. I have educated over 150 Black people about what a hackathon is, what an incubator program and an accelerator program is. And these are where multi-billion dollar ideas are coming from. Mm-hmm. But we're not even there. We don't even know it exists. So for us at Nobellum, we basically remix hackathon and call it an Innovathon. And we kind of did it in our own way. And so you went on to launch the Innovation Pitch Competition. Yes. We had it this past weekend. Yes. Why did you actually decide to launch that? And tell us a bit about what that was. Yeah, yeah. So as I was saying before with hackathons, I felt like it was a very rushed process. Like Mm. they would give us a question Friday night and by Sunday you have to pitch. So what we did at Nobellum was we wanted to bring that concept to the Black community, but weave in our own culture. So we launched our own Innovathon, which is similar to a hackathon, um, except this time what we did was we started it almost two months before the actual pitch. 
And we kicked it off with the meet and greet so that we could help co-founders find other co-founders. So we had people in tech and we helped them get paired with people that were in business and marketing. And it was so great to see that because these people were like, we need co-founders. Like, how do we find somebody to help market this? How do we find someone to help build this? And it was a really great experience. We had a series of about 10 workshops. We walked them through how to build a pitch deck, how to build your budget. And we literally walked them through how to build a website. So by the time they were done the Innovathon workshops, they had filled in their gaps. Just like me, when I first went to my hackathon, I didn't have any of that. So mm -hmm. I literally had to fail my way into figuring it out. Mm -hmm. So basically took that experience. We, we created our team, about 10 of us on this committee led by women, by the way, there was like eight women, two men. Mm -hmm. And um, we built uh, this amazing Innovathon pitch. So we had a total of 545 applicants across the globe, even people in African Caribbean applied. Um, mm. And some of them made it in mm. from the 560, from the 540, we were able to get our top 40. So we selected 40 teams that are now going to be working with us over the next year at, through this co-founder campaign, because some of them still don't have all the right ingredients. And then we picked the top 10 that we felt were most ready to pitch this Saturday to our judges. We had judges from TD Bank. We had judges from the Canadian Black Chamber of Commerce. The president herself came to the event, super, super su supportive. Um, and, and, you know, we were really able to create a room of people that could give them positive feedback. Everybody in the room was from a diverse background. Um, these companies were Black-led, the 10 companies. Mm -hmm. But although they were Black-led, a lot of them had BIPOC teams which was amazing mm -hmm. to see that, you know, that Black leadership, that other people can be in organizations led by Black people and still thrive. And I really love that because at Nobelum or Novathons and events, they're not Black exclusive, but they are Black-led. Right. So that's what we require from the teams. The pitches were wonderful. Um, we had a really hard time. Um, even the judges, like they were like, they went toe-to-toe -to -toe for like about an hour identifying which top four were you know were excellent um but yeah that's that's what happened this weekend and i think the problem that this event solves was exposure and access hmm. we had the people pitching they could network with the judges we had investors in the audience um, we had stem mentors we had business coaches in the audience i saw so many people connecting after um, it was really great. It was, it was really good. Are you able to tell us some of their ideas, some of their pitches, or yeah, absolutely. Can you? Okay, let us like. Yeah. What is this generation <laughs> thinking about? Yeah, some interesting things. Okay, so I saw a cross over between cosmetic and AI. Hmm scary right like <laughs> augmentation and basically mm. it sounds scary right but what it <laughs> what it actually was is they're thinking of easier ways for us to shop mm. for our products okay. so you would be able to basically try on makeup without physically trying it on mm. and then we saw products in in music um we an amazing company soundwave so that was bow beauty soundwave um came up with a genius way for uh people to collaborate while creating a track while creating a music track uh they're just fantastic and then amazing. we also we also saw healthcare and tech 
um, people creating almost like a virtual assistance for elderly people to keep them on support and even to ensure that um, child, uh, not childcare, but caregiver providers could have a system almost like an Uber for caregivers. Oh, right? wow. That's, those are, actually, these are great went, ideas. Yeah, she won first place. Wow. So, so that one was a caregiver. It, it's a, an ecos- like almost like, yeah, almost like an ecosystem of caregivers. Oh. And then there were different, and then the judges gave her some great ideas to increase her revenue model. I was like, damn, look at her getting free advice. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I loved it. Like the advice he gave her is a game changer. And wow. I was so happy that I could facilitate that. Um, so we had beauty, we had healthcare, we had um, music, we had um, architect, we had an architect um, project that was an e-commerce platform. Um, we basically saw, we had agritech, um, we had re-recycle, um, we almost crossover every industry there was a law and and tech company um yeah it was yeah a lot of different ideas Mm. when it comes from a black person they're they're going to take different things into consideration so like when we talk about caregivers right like ensuring that that's maybe if that's an app that's created eventually that that's an app that is one that's diverse that could care yeah. for all types of people you know mm-hmm. so I feel like we we all win when black people are creating and giving the tool giving the tools to create um and so your goal is to create a hundred black businesses in STEM by 2025 um what do you, what do you need to make that happen like what actually happens behind the scenes because you have this goal mm-hmm. you have 2025 which is three years away, but what do you have to do in that time to make that happen? I love that question. Um, So we have an economic development program that we're delivering in collaboration with some universities like the University of Toronto Scarborough campus, Trent University, Sheridan College, um, as well as some partners. And basically what that does is it creates almost like a pipeline system. We start them off with the Innovathon, which is really a way of capturing that talent bring it into the ecosystem. And we begin that almost refinement process. Really, what is your idea? What is your business that you're trying to come up with? And then we take them through that process, through the Innovathon. But when they get the funding, we don't just give it to them and say, all right, see you later. (laughs) We walk, we take them through our bridging program. This is a nine month incubation program. And the first uh, six months we have workshops, but the last three months is really where the, the genius happens. We create an ecosystem where they can network with our investors, partners, sponsors to see how we can help them to scale. Our goal is to bridge these businesses into existing accelerators so that they can go to the next step of their career. Now, all while facilitating that, we also have an ecosystem called the Nobel Hub app, which is starting out as a project, but it looks like it's quickly growing into its own thing. Um, And basically this app, it's a software that is a a platform of Black businesses that offer services and technology, legal, marketing, tech. Those companies are going to be supporting and servicing the 100. So the 100 is not just businesses that are getting funded and coming through this ecosystem, but it's also the businesses that we're supporting us on the other end, delivering these services, providing these services. They're going to need to get incorporated. 
They're going to need their taxes. They're going to need social media accounts. They're going to need apps. If we just leave them out there to go and try and figure it out on their own, they're going to end up leaving our community, taking their funds and investing other communities. And that's one of our biggest principles here at Nobellum. It's circling the wealth in our community as much as we possibly can. I'm highly inspired by Dr. Claude Anderson. Are you familiar with him? Say his name one more time, sorry. Dr. Claude Anderson. Mm, I think I've heard the name before, but yes. tell he's me, the what is, how does he inspire you? Yeah, he's on the Boyce Watkins show quite a bit. Okay. And um, he came up with a concept called Powernomics back like about 10 years ago. And in doing so, he did an economic empowerment experiment to understand what are some of the nuances that's keeping our business community from really hitting that next level. And in that, he observed how different communities spent their money. He looked at the Hispanic community. You know, the dollar would enter, someone would get paid, they would go to another business, buy some stuff, go to another business, buy some more stuff. And they would, you know, shuffle within their community about six to eight times before the dollar would actually leave that community. And he looked at white people. The dollar would circulate about 10 to 12 times. Asian and Arab communities, the dollar would circulate about 14 to 15 times. Jewish communities, dollar was circulating at least 18 times. I'm talking 28 days where the dollar would stay in their community, circulating from one business to another. But when he looked at the Black community, he discovered the dollar didn't even circulate once. Mm. Within six hours, we get paid, we go to other communities and spend their money. Now, there's nothing wrong with supporting other communities because I love chicken shawarma like everybody else. <laughs> but when 98% of the wealth in our community is being used to enrich others, Mm-hmm. Well, we're left fighting over 2%. Mm-hmm. So one of our core principles at Nobellum is how do we foster this ecosystem where we can support one another? And this is not to exclude other communities, but to uplift ours. So we've now partnered with other organizations like the Black Founders Network, mm-hmm. who is also a flagship initiative in, uh, from the University of Toronto. And their goal is to scale, uh, fund and, and support startup scaling at any stage in their journey. And because they're doing that, they also have a similar program where they're awarding funds to businesses who apply to their program. We want to work with these organizations that have this ecosystem of Black startups that we can support through the Nobel Hub app. And so when we say we're launching 100 Black-owned businesses um, or supporting the startup of these businesses, we're really looking at this wider ecosystem of people who could really benefit from the knowledge and the expertise available on on this platform. Wow, I, I'm learning. I'm learning something here. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we talked a bit about some of the the participants' ideas, but what was their reaction to seeing a room full of other young people with great ideas as well? What was it like for them? Girl, I got to send you the videos. <laughs> they were so ecstatic. Like, I can't even tell you. Like, I thought sometimes they would just be clapping just for the sake of clapping. Like, <laughs> somebody would say something and they're all just clapping. Like, the room was just really excited. And even at the award ceremony, like, the way they screamed for each other. 
Like they screamed, I'm going to send you the videos. You have to see this. Like they were screaming for each other. And I was just overwhelmed by the excitement of how they supported one another in this process. It was like, they've really bonded over the last two months. They got to kind of know one another. Even mm-hmm. I could, I could tell that some of them were sad that, you know, some of the other ones may not have made it to the top 10. Mm-hmm. And so having that process of them going through all those workshops together, you know, missing workshops, having to talk to each other to catch up on certain things, uh, it really built a bit of a family, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. So you're creating like a legacy here, right? Um, who helped you along your journey? to get you to where you are. I know you talked to early about um, not really having anyone in the room who looked like you. Did you have any yeah. mentors? Yeah, one of my first mentors is definitely my mom. She was actually one of the first advisors for Nobella, um, giving me ideas into how I could um, really tap into the community. And then once I was able to tap into the community, I started reaching out to people on LinkedIn and I came across a fabulous woman, Dr. Georgette Zanati. She used to be uh, an exec at the University of Toronto for over 20 years. I never thought she'd respond to me. To be honest, I was just hitting up anybody that I thought would help. (laughs) And so she had um, on her tag, on her LinkedIn tag, that she has an organization called women helping empower women. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm a woman, mm-hmm. empower me. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to her and she answered back. Amazing. About a week later, we set up a call and we met. Oh my God, I'm like smiling from ear to ear right now because <laughs> it was a life-changing moment. First off, I never thought she would even give me the day, time of day. But not mm-hmm. only that, she literally booked this meeting. She showed up and she was so present. And she listened and she listened and we got to about five slides. I wasn't even done. I was at the point now where I was talking about um, circulating the wealth. And she was like, wait, have any of the execs at UFT or any, you know, seen this? And I was like, no, I'm trying to partner with like the student club. She's like, "Uh uh-uh, we need to bring this to the execs. They need to see this. They need to see that one of their alumni is building something like this. Mm -hmm. She said she was going to reach out to someone. And I was like, this is amazing. I thought, okay, it's great that she's going to reach out to someone, but I still need to keep doing the groundwork just in case, you know, she forgets about me. She doesn't really know me. We had a wonderful meeting. She gave me a lot of really good feedback. I was able to clean up my deck. Um, And then I was reaching out to my old manager about the club thing. I had gone through about like six different meetings in this time process, bouncing from one person, explaining the idea to another person, all just to get this partnership with this club. I ended up getting sent to the arts and science co-op office to help me get interns to help with my program. So I went to do the presentation there. Just so happened, two people were in the room that day. Um, Ifosa Obano, the program director from BFN, and Mm -hmm. Dave Benton from UFT. They heard the presentation, immediately reached out, and next steps, they wanted to bring it to their director. <laughs> Turns out, Georgette in the background had called the principal of the University of Toronto directly and told him about this initiative and told him to reach out. He sends an Right. He sends an email, the principal of the university sends an email to me looping in like, 
three deans, four directors telling them, you need to get in touch with this lady. UTSC is very eager to pursue a partnership. At the same time, the connects that I had made at the um, IFOSA and Dave, mm -hmm. when Dave was reaching out to his director, his director was saying, oh, we just got an email from our boss's boss to reach out to the same organization. Wow. So Jet opened that door for me and it was like, I feel like I just walked right through. <laughs> Dave was so happy. He's like, I didn't even have to pitch this. They already knew about you. Her mm -hmm. mentorship, her advice, her and Dave have become amazing mentors to me in the last year. And I would have never found them if I didn't take that risk and reach out to her on LinkedIn and harass. Every single time I met with someone at UFT, I'm like, is there anyone you think I should meet with? And they would refer me to someone and refer me to someone until I met Dave. So the reason why that was just great synergy is because when you get into a partnership with such a large organization like UFT, it's easy to fall to the wayside. Mm -hmm. But I walked in with Dave championing that partnership and he has just been amazing. Dave is from the bridge at the UTSC. They've just been phenomenal as well as the hub at UTSC. Another mentor, Donovan Dell, um, he's been at the hub for about 20 years now. Um, works close with FBK Media. I don't know if you know that company, but um, they've been doing tremendous work. And so the mentors, ironically, I'll be honest, I didn't start with a mentor. I found them along the way. And for anyone listening, I hope you know that sometimes those are the mentors that you need the most because they are they believe in you because they see what you're doing and now they just want to add value to that and so you have to get started you have to start moving and then I feel like you will attract people who see that and want to see how can I open another door who can I introduce them to mm. yes I love it I love it and I agree I mean I'm not in the same field but I think a lot of times the right mentors, you'll find them on your journey. And I'm happy to hear that, like, this, you know, that one person helped open this door for you. And now you are opening the door for so many others. And so also what it means when you help one person, you don't know how far your reach can go. What are some tips that you have for Black entrepreneurs who want to get started in tech? Ooh, want to get started in tech. <clears throat> First thing I would say is identify what you're good at, tech or non-tech. Mm -hmm. So if you're good at drawing, if you're good at debating, if you're good at project managing, identify that first and add tech to it. Because you're going to be, if you just go directly into tech, there are 100 software engineers and mm -hmm. we have some very skilled ones coming from India. But what they lack is the kind of communication and creative thinking that we have. We speak very fluently. Employers want that. Um, and I know that might sound a little biased, but they want people that can go into a room and liaise with their clients, liaise with, with, the, with the project leads. And so from our community, I find that we're really good at communications. Like Black people made Twitter. <laughs> so, yeah. so we have these natural skills that nobody has to teach us. So figure out what you're good at and add tech to it because that's how you boost your income um, to whatever. Um, another thing I would say is start going into spaces that 
are going to improve the kind of skill sets you want. So for example, if you see a hackathon advertised, just go. You never know who you're going to meet or what you're exposed to. Or if you see some kind of um, coding class, just show up. Even if you don't stay the whole time, just show up. The more you can keep exposing yourself to tech, the less intimidating it's going to be. If you continue to stay on the outside and just think of tech as this big, crazy, scary world of web, you will never get to the next level with it. So you have to just continually expose yourself to it. Through that, through doing that, just me showing up to hackathons, I went from showing up to watch to showing up to being like, maybe I should put my name on the list. <laughs> and I, I when, there was this one hackathon, I literally went for the hors d'oeuvres. Because I was walking by campus and I saw the hors d'oeuvres and I ended up staying for six hours. <laughs> and being at that it's pitch, always the free food. It's always the free food. <laughs> and, free. Be, and being at that pitch, I was able to see an idea that ended up leading to an to an idea that I pitched the next time. Wow. So, nice. So that's what I would say. Those three pieces of advice. One, find some of your thing you're something you're good at, parent mm-hmm. tech. Two, just continually expose yourself to these environments. And three, if you can find somebody that you know that is in tech, be Mm -hmm. their friend. Just be around them. Even something as simple as um, something that they do often with a computer, you pick up that skill. Now that's a skill that you have to your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to say a lot of my tech mentors were not Black. None of them were Black. Mm -hmm. So don't even try to confine yourself to it being someone that you're fully comfortable with just be their friend (laughs) right no these are all amazing tips and luckily I think that they kind of expand beyond the tech world too you know um I guess I'll leave it at this I think we know how much power tech has in this day and age and so I've heard so many stories of like AI being racist or you know me going to wash my hands in the washroom and the dryer doesn't recognize my hand because it, it was tested on lighter skin tones you know in, in small things like this but what do you envision our worlds can look like or the future of tech can look like when we have more black creators more black ideas more black people in the field in general because we know everything is going to be tech-based really soon and I just wonder what the impact of actually encouraging and supporting Black people in this these spaces, what that can do for the future of creation, of an ideas. You know, right now, just imagine being around when the first banks were being created or the first laws were being written. That's where we are right now with tech. We're watching mm-hmm. the first crypto banks being created. We're witnessing the first audit and data laws being written. And so we're either on the side of history that's writing those laws and creating those banks or observing and watching. And right now, Black people are on the observing and watching side. And we're letting them write history right before our eyes. I think to answer that question, I would say that we as Black people have to jump into the driver's seat because this is the largest intellectual revolution that we're going to witness in our lifetime. And if we miss this, it's going to be very hard for us to catch up with generational wealth. All the other revolutions, if you look at real estate, like we miss that. 
we're still slaves. Now all the land got sheared up and we're here trying to just, you know, manage. And when you look at um, when, you know, analog and digital was created in the 50s and 60s, we were still fighting for our free rights. Now it's 2022, we have the the world at our fingertips. So I can envision the future of our world. If we can get on the side of history where we're starting to write things, I see us being able to really impact the kind of policies being written and the kind of and the kind of developments that take place. Because if you look at Africa, for example, this is a great example, about 10 different teams from Africa pitched the same exact idea. Why? because it's actual problem that they're facing with and they need to solve it. It's about waste. There are so many landfills that they're catching on fire. Mm. So these companies are trying to find ways to utilize technology to, to clear their landfills. And so what we're planning to do is build an alliance with those companies because they're all fighting the same thing and they don't know each other. So through Nobelum, we could connect these teams to start thinking, how do we solve those problems? This is why we need Black people on the side of writing history, because we need to solve the problems really impacting us and our community. So I see the future of tech to be heavily involved in virtual space, like the metaverse. Um, I see the future of tech being heavily involved in artificial intelligence, but these are all gonna solve the problems of other communities. We need to get in there and solve the problems impacting our people. Africa and the Caribbean and our people are else no one's going to do it for us. We have to do it for ourselves in Africa right now. FinTech is a big deal. No one's going to solve that problem for them. So um, those are some of the things I would say we should be looking out for for the future of tech. Amazing. A special thank you to Melissa Ellis for joining the show. You can find out more about her nonprofit at nobellum.com. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Future People Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Imani Walker, Imani28. Thanks so much for listening and take care.